badly burnt body of a young woman is found on the side of the road with a bullet through her neck. She's wearing her pyjamas. The year is 1934. Somewhere in this great city may be someone who could solve this crime. Can you help? This is 12 Minute True Crime. The Pyjama Girl. Or must the Pyjama Girl murder remain forever one of the world's greatest unsolved mysteries? It was a bright morning in September 1934 when a local Albury man, Tom, was leading his prize bull along the side of a road near Albury in New South Wales. As he walked along the roadside, he could smell kerosene. He didn't see the body first, but he certainly smelt it. The body was slightly concealed in a hessian sack, the kind you use for grain on a farm. It was badly burnt and wouldn't be visible to anyone driving by. It was pure luck Tom had spotted it. The victim's head was wrapped in a towel. She'd been badly beaten and an x-ray revealed a bullet in her neck. McRae told the court of the shocking state of the body when found, of the blood-stained towel and burnt sack in which it had been encased, of kerosene traces on the grass and culvert water, and then the dramatic statement... In the gory detail that came to define the case, she was wearing yellow silk pyjamas with a Chinese dragon motif on it. The 1930s was the Great Depression, and so it was unusual that such a luxurious clothing item was found on the woman. It soon became apparent the body was of a petite woman in her 20s, but her identity could not be established. After the initial investigation failed to identify her, the body was taken to Sydney, where it was put on public exhibition. The body was preserved in a bath of formalin at the Sydney University Medical School until 1942, when her body was transferred to police headquarters, where it remained until 1944. Four years after finding the body, in 1939, new evidence emerged. Still the police did not give up. And on March the 27th, 1939, Superintendent Matthews, acting on information received, rushed Detective Wilkes in charge of identification inquiries to Albury. Again, the How Long Road leaps into prominence. It was believed that a lake near Albury might possibly hold the clue to the pajama girl mystery. Searching in the slimy bed of the lake, detectives found gumboots, shoes, slippers, blouse, and part of a silk dress, all of a size which could have been worn by the murdered girl. Stains on the dress blouse might have been blood. Were these the clothes worn by the pyjama girl at the time of her death? A £1,000 reward is posted for information leading to the arrest of a murderer. And a direct plea to the public is made. £1,000 for information leading to the arrest and conviction of the murderer. Or was it murder? Although this new evidence was found, it didn't lead to anything. And police held a court case to discuss the murder. Then McGray gave his theory of what happened on the night of August 31st, 1934. Under cover of darkness, a car crept along the Howlong Road, pulling up not far from a lonely culvert. Stealthily, the figure of a man emerged carrying a heavy burden, the body of a murdered woman. On he came and placed his victim in a hollow by a drain three feet below the crown of One year after the body was found, police receive a tip-off that the body is that of a young woman, a Sydney theatre usherette called Linda Agostoni. There was another name that sprang up 
Anna Morgan. Both women were missing, both bore a likeness to the pyjama girl, and both were of the right age. However, New South Wales police satisfied themselves that neither of the missing women was the pyjama girl, and she remained unidentified. Chapter 2. An Unbelievable Coincidence. In 1944, police arrested Linda's husband, Tony, for her murder. At the time of his arrest, the then police commissioner, William McKay, was under siege. He needed to restore the New South Wales police force's reputation, and he wanted to solve the pyjama girl mystery. Determined to solve the murder, the New South Wales police commissioner, Bill Mackay, adopted a habit of putting a fresh team of detectives on the case every few years. In 1944, 10 years after the body was first discovered, a group of three dentists were asked to make yet another examination of the pyjama girl. Although she was originally discounted because of dental records and a mismatch 10 years prior, Linda had eight fillings and the preserved body only had six. The police commissioner instructs police to compare the teeth again. Unbelievably, this time, police found two new fillings they'd never seen the first time back in 1934. They noticed a tiny gap in an upper bicuspid which had not been recorded previously. After all that time and the formalin bath, one of the two porcelain fillings had fallen out. Excited, the dentists quickly discovered the other small filling that had been overlooked in Albury. The dental chart of the pyjama girl now matched that of Linda Agostini in every detail. Five people who knew Linda also positively identified her body ten years after. Suddenly they came back to the Agostini theory. Tony Agostini, her husband, was charged and arrested with murder. So how did Tony become a suspect? Well, Tony was a waiter at the police commissioner's favourite restaurant. It so happened that um, Tony Agostini was well known to Mr Mackay because uh, he was employed at Romano's restaurant where Mr Mackay habitually took his lunch. And uh, indeed he used to wait on Mr Mackay. Uh, Mackay simply contacted Agostini and asked him to come in and have a talk. And when he came in, he confessed to the whole thing. It was as simple as that after, as all, that. That after all those years. The police commissioner said in his statement that Tony admitted that he'd accidentally shot and killed his wife when they were living in Melbourne. Worried that he might be accused of murder, he had driven the body over the state border to Albury and dumped it. He'd poured petrol over the body and set fire to it to destroy the evidence. The arrest of Tony was a sensation, as it meant that the pyjama girl had finally been identified. But the coroner, judge and jury were unmoved. The body in the formalin bath was that of Linda Agostini, and she had been killed by her husband, dumped in the roadside culvert and set alight. He was charged with murder and was extradited to Melbourne. He was acquitted, but found guilty of manslaughter instead and was sentenced to six years jail. No motive was ever established, and surprisingly, Antonio Agostini was only convicted of manslaughter. There were questions about how much of a coincidence it was that the killer of the pyjama girl was right under the commissioner's nose, a commissioner that was under fire for his police force's lack of action around many missing persons and murders. And then, out of the blue, Tony was paroled after three years and one month in 1948, 
After serving less than four years, he was deported to Italy, where he remarried and eventually died in 1969. Was Tony set up or made an offer too good to refuse? Chapter 3. Was Linda really the pyjama girl? The constant blaze of publicity surrounding the case had attracted eccentrics, some of whom disputed the identity of the pyjama girl as established by the police. In 2004, decades later, doubt was cast upon the conclusion that the pyjama girl was actually Linda due to inconsistencies between the body of the pyjama girl and Linda Agostoni. You're never going to find out who the killer is until you find out who the girl is. In a book called The Pajama Girl Mystery, a true story of murder, obsession and lies, Richard Evans pointed out discrepancies with the evidence, calling Tony's conviction the result of police corruption and a miscarriage of justice. There's no doubt that the pyjama girl was the most famous corpse in Australian history. By the time the case was over, she'd been reconstructed, put on public display, and even made up with lipstick and rouge in the hope that someone might identify her. The pyjama girl had brown eyes. Agostoni's were blue. The victim had a different bust size to Agostoni, and she had different shaped nose. He also pointed out that 125 women were originally on the police's list of possible identities, but these other leads remained uneliminated and untraced. He also suggests that Linda was murdered around the same time as the Albury victim, and most likely in the confines of the couple's Melbourne townhouse, but that she was not the pyjama girl. But if she was the most famous victim in Australian crime, Perhaps she's also the most forgotten. Linda Agostini lies here in plot 8341 in Preston Cemetery in Melbourne. It cost the government hundreds of thousands of pounds to find out who she was. But when she was finally buried here, there was apparently not enough government money left to put her name on the grave. The identity of the pyjama girl in 2022 is still unknown. <laughs> 